Welcome to Rooster Radio, a broadcast dedicated to supporting and promoting local artists and musicians in the Gaston County and surrounding areas. Thank you for joining us. I'm your host, Cody with a K, here with Michael Carpenter. Today, we have a real treat for you guys. We're talking with a seasoned professional who has played from backyards to arenas all over the country. He's collaborated with artists of almost every music genre from all over the world. We're talking about the one and only Gary Ramsey from right here in the Carolinas. He's sharing one of his original songs titled, She Ain't You. So check it out. Late at night 
A round, Holy smokes. A, a round of applause, everybody, please. My goodness. When did you write that song? I wrote that song in 1991. 1991. Yeah, I was, I was um, walking down the street, actually, on the way to band rehearsal, and my drummer and his girlfriend picked me up, and they were like, you're awfully quiet, I said, I'm working on a song, and she was always a fan of it, she said, well, let's hear it. So I started singing it, and she said, oh my God, you can't be serious. And um, Tommy says, what? And she's he's writing about laying beside a woman thinking about another chick. Yeah. And I said, well, that was very, very perceptive. <laughs> right. <laughs> because I wasn't going to tell anybody that's what it was about. I didn't realize it was that that obvious. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, but I mean, it's a great song, and I'm getting a lot of, like, uh, Dimebag Daryl vibes from that solo, and I'm getting, like, a lot of, like, maybe some Randy Rhodes. I'm getting a lot of different old-school classic awesomeness, man. Uh, who do you draw from as far as inspiration in your writing process? Man, dude, I'm old, so... Now, g- give us the classics. Um, The Beatles were a big influence on me, big time, because of the lyrics they wrote and of course you know Alice Cooper oh yeah Skinner Journey Place the People I always, I've always been a songwriter that loved this the, the song itself yeah Arlo Guthrie can't be touched when he goes into Alice's restaurant or the significant pickle song I mean it just can't be touched um Black Sabbath of course and then Kiss, I was a big Kiss fan, but, but you know, at the same time, I'd be listening to Kiss, I'd listen to Rod Stewart, too, you know, just the lyrics, right. it, the lyrics to me always, always mesmerized me to, to a core that it was a story set to music that was somebody's life. Yeah. And, of course, um, Alice Cooper taught me how to do the double entendre on stuff. Yeah. You know, say one thing, mean another. and uh, For sure. And so a lot of those influences carry over in your in your process and your yeah, artistic. Well, well, yeah, I'm an '80s child. You know, I grew up on Dokken and Def Leppard and just all the all those '80s bands in the '90s. But I was a '70s child at the same time. I loved Zeppelin. I loved um, the Yardbirds, the Eagles. You know, just yeah, people. Just from that point on, you know, I, I think as long as I can remember, I've done nothing but music. I gotta say, man, that that song, it's you said it you wrote it in nineteen ninety one, which is like the perfect time for that particular type of sound. And right. I can hear all of those influences. Like it's amazing that I didn't already know that song. I'm almost embarrassed because that's that was amazing. Yeah. I, I love I mean the guitar <laughs> did now let me ask you this. Did you write all of the music for that? Yes, or? I did. So the guitar, the drums, that was all you. Lyrics. Everything except for the lead solo, that was Pekka Loikinen. Okay. My buddy in crime, my partner in crime from Finland. Yeah. But I wrote everything else. It's a fantastic song. Yeah, it is. I'm glad you guys liked it, man. Absolutely. It gets a lot of requests, and and ironically, women love it. Yeah. And that that really blows my mind. Hmm. Because... You know what it's about, but you like it. They, the women say, we love the groove, you know. And then mm, it's the I've groove. Had, I've, I've had women walk up to me in a bar going, she ain't you. And they're <laughs> singing it at me. I'm like, 
And I sure am glad because I got a penis. <laughs> Yeah. Well, you've you've written a lot of songs. Let's 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 just go ahead and put it out there for our listeners that don't already know who you are. Yeah, you've written a lot of songs over the years, right? At least three hundred. And you've even written songs for other artists, right? I have indeed. Can you speak on like what artists you've written songs for? Um, Abby K. That's um, Eddie Z's new protégés. They're they're doing one of my songs called Dirty Love and she's kicking it man she's killing it I wrote the lyrics for it and her and her guys put the music to it and um, Playroom Records decided to sign it and then there then then Eddie signed up with um, Orchid Entertainment which is a part of Sony so they're gonna go far with it and it's getting and they do it really really well yeah so if you click on Abby K Dirty Love and you go to the show more thing and you can see my name down there is lyric writer along with her and Eddie. Um, but that's going pretty good. I wrote one for a guy named Bill Sterling, old country dude. He, he's passed now. He um he did a song of mine called Standing Up Walls. It was an old country song. And because I dabbled my finger in it, he said, I could make that a great country song. I said, well, you do that, buddy. And next thing I know, he plays it on the Grand Ole Opry and it was uh, number one in England for like 26 weeks. That wow. must have been quite a feeling to see your music being played at the Grand Ole Opry. That I mean, that's the pinnacle of songwriting. Uh, yeah. It was actually the radio show, Grand Ole Opry radio show. It wasn't the TV show. Okay. But it's still the Grand Ole Opry. You know? I mean, it's still a big and, deal. And, <laughs> I, and to this day, I still have bands that cover songs that I wrote. You know, I mean, 13 does three of my songs for sure. That's great. And, um, I give them all my blessing, you know. I was like, man, just give me credit where credit's due. I don't, I don't care about the money. I don't. I've never done it for the money. I'll never do it for the money. Right. When you do it for the money, you do it for the wrong reason. Yeah. Money will come, sure. Money will come, but what you do with that money when it comes, it usually comes when you need it. Right. Pay that power bill, or pay, or get that baby some milk, or get some groceries, or yeah, or go out and have a good time with it. Have it spare money. That you can go out and have fun with, you know. Yeah, absolutely. Well, to the to the flip flop of that, what's your favorite song to cover? You know, as a cover tune. Yeah. Holy smoke, man! They got so many. I like doing uh, "Whiter Shade of Pale" by Purple Harem. Okay. You know, and I've got a me and a, my friend Sheldon Scribner on one of the, on one of the CDs you have actually. We do a cover of. Um, <laughs> Simon and Garfunkel Sound of Silence. Okay. That uh we we poured gasoline on it and threw a match on it. Okay. So after the interview you guys, you know, if we if you're able you we're able you pull it <laughs> so up. So in other know. words, it's better than that disturbed cover? Oh fuck yeah. <laughs> <laughs> disturbed looked like a cologne commercial. The great value cologne commercial too. Oh my god. <laughs> Coverfay. Yeah. <laughs> Now, me and Peckle, we on the Ramsey Loikin project. We have some. Say that again. What you you and the Ramsey Loikinen. Ramsey Loikinen. Loikinen project. And that's now and Loikinen is your friend from Finland, correct? Correct. And you two have collaborated, and you have some stuff out there. We've got forty songs, twenty or thirty videos, man, and stuff, and uh, we've got two albums out. Um, What's well, funny, man, because I, I had been writing with another guy from Montana. He had, he had had me 
throw some lyrics to some songs he had and and he introduced me to Pekka and Pekka said, You think you can write something to some of my music? I said, I don't I don't know, send it. So the first song he sent me was Bad Man. And I listened to it. I went to the kitchen, fixed me a drink and came back, pushed play again and grabbed my pen. Started writing. By the time I finished my drink and the song was over, I was done with the song. I took my drink back to the kitchen, came back in, plugged everything through my recorder and recorded it and sent it back to him that same day. And he must then, have floored him. Yeah. And then he was like, what the fuck, man? He said, dude, I'm around songwriters all the time. Nobody's ever been able to do that. I said, you got another one? And within four days, we had eight songs. Holy smokes. Just cranking out the jams. Yeah. Now, have you guys met in person? Yeah, man. He flew here um, <laughs> August 13th, I think it was. He, we did a show at a big horse farm in Shelby, um, um, the Circle, some Circle K, some farm, man. We, we played above a barn. But he we we he flew here and we had two weeks to put a band together and do a show. And we did it and we had we drew the biggest crowd of the entire three weekend festival. That's awesome. Nice. That's amazing. It, yeah. it was pretty cool, man. But he stayed with me for the whole three weeks. He came <laughs> it was so funny. He came from the nice, cool, cold Finland to the fucking mega hot. In the August, middle of August. In yeah. North Carolina. <laughs> the most humid of the heats, you know. And it was an outdoor concert. Yeah. Oh, man, it was unreal. I'm sure he had and, a lot of fun with that. And, well, we, we told him, man, you don't got to go out and stay out there all day, man. You can stay at the house, you know, until it's time to play. He said, I want the dogs. I said, have at it, man. I said, that one <laughs> He said, I'm sorry, man. No, don't be sorry. I totally understand, you know, because... I'd rather be up there feeling in the eyes too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the North Carolina heat is is like no other, and the heat that you bring to your music is is pretty unmatched. And, and on nice. stage jamming, when you're jamming, the the, the adrenaline's flowing, you're fucking sweating like hell, man. You're a beast. But you can pull up at Ramsey Lorcan and Pro- Ramsey Lorcan and Project Live on YouTube and see the whole entire set we did. It was like 104 degrees. <laughs> well, we'll, we'll, we're gonna, we'll put that on the social media page for the rooster to share for our audience. I want to, I want to backtrack a little bit. <clears throat> we're talking about some recent stuff, but you've been writing songs for how long? Since I was 15. I'm 59 now, so. Let's do some math. 59 minus 15. So you take. The nine and you minus the five, that's four, right? Yep. And you don't have to carry nothing. So you got the five over the one and that's four. So yep. that's 44 years. Of writing. Of writing music. And performing. Now tell us, at 15 years old, 15-year-old little scrawny Gary Ramsey running around the Carolinas, how how did that journey start? What got you into writing music? Where did we go from Was that? there a particular record? I was drawing... I was, an, I was always an artist, just straight up drew all the time, drew and painted, and people at school would pay me to p- draw their projects for them and stuff, and um, I loved to read. I was an introvert, didn't hardly have any friends, hang out with anybody or anything. And I was a sickly child, you know, just, just, it was weird, but one day, 
I fell off the back of a truck and fractured my skull. And when I came to, when I was laying there, I heard music. And the day, one day in the hospital, I heard music. And from that point on, I, you know, and then suddenly this guy came over, my, my brother's friend's brother came over, and he had a guitar. And he was great. I was watching him play it, and then I said, man, I'd love to be a guitar player. He said, it's easy to do. So he started showing me some chords, but I couldn't quite catch on. So later on, about about six months later, I still had it in me. You know, I wanted to learn how to play guitar. And I mean, you were the, still hearing the music. I was still hearing the music. And I met a guy named Danny Bridges, and he took his time with me, and he taught me a G and a D and a C. Oh, that's all you need. Oh, and it turns out, and I went home that night, and I strummed that D and that C and that G till it felt right. And then I just started singing. It just started coming out. Were you making up words or were you singing songs you knew? I was making up my own words to those three chords. And when I finished it, I had three verses, three courses, and a place for the lead solos. And like, three chords. That's all I had was three chords, and I turned it into that. And to this day, that song still has power, and people still request it. Mostly when it's called "If Loneliness Had a Name." That's one of my favorite songs that you that I've heard of yours. Actually, that's, that's great. That's how that song came about. And you wrote that at fifteen. Yeah. Holy smokes, yeah. ladies and gentlemen! If yeah. you haven't listened yet, check out "If Loneliness Had a Name." That uh, now, I, you know, I'll just go ahead and say Gary and I have been communicating for a couple of weeks now, and he's been sending me. A lot of, I mean, he's got such a large library; it was impossible to hear it all before we did this show. But that, that, that one and medication time were the two that stood out the most to me. And you want to talk about medication time? Medication time. Oh man, that's a true story too. Um, the whole album, tells from letters from nowhere. Is is each song is a different letter from a different inmate in the asylum. And medication time was me personally. I had went to a party and purchased a sheet of acid, blotter acid, mm-hmm. and went home to my trailer and, you know, like, I'm going to hang out and just play my guitar and catch a buzz. So I wound up doing the entire sheet of blotter acid. Holy smokes. And nobody had heard from me for days, you know. So finally, the door opens and the bright light enters and you see these gargoyles coming in with face masks and shit on and you know and I'm sitting there naked on my couch with my guitar and a tape recorder going in stacks and stacks of cassette tapes everywhere so and they said you gotta come with us son you gotta come and then the then the man in white came in and made it alright for me to ride into the buggy with him and the next thing I know I'm awake in the room that I didn't recognize. The door's unlocked. I stepped outside, and the first thing I see is a guy talking to the water fountain, and I think, uh-oh, now nah, you've done it. <laughs> that's, when it that's when you had the thought? <laughs> and that's, you know, and, and the thing about medication time is it, the only way to really cope with that place is the medication time. 
They would they would shout medication time. We would run and come to a skidding halt to the window, man. Me and two other guys, we were normal. Well, as, as normal as people like this can be, I suppose. But we we were there just because we partied too hard. We weren't there for an actual mental condition like where we were at. They didn't know what else to do with you. They had no clue. So they but, figured instead of throwing you in jail, they want to put you in this in this place. Oh, jail couldn't. Oh, we really didn't know where we were, man. We didn't have a possible clue, and um, so that's where medication time came from. Because they would yell medication time, and boom, I was there ready. Look me up, put me in my room, to the same with. <laughs> you know what's crazy about this story? <laughs> I'm just going to tell it. I'm sorry, Mom, but <laughs> my mom found out I smoked pot in high school and sent me to a place like that. Really? Yeah. For smoking weed? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Please leave it in the episode. Ladies and gentlemen of <laughs> listeners, just so y'all know, I've never shared that story with anybody. I'm telling it to you guys. It first relates. Time, it relates so hard. First time I got caught by my parents, I was with my uncles in my grandma's house. <laughs> And they were passing the joint around, and and it was my turn, and I went to take a tote, and I'm going, and see that whiteboard right there? Yeah. That's the bedroom window, and I'm going, and I look right at the window, and there stands my dad. Oh, oh. no. Right as the inhale. I didn't inhale. I, I had to. I went, <laughs> and I thumped the joint. Luckily, it didn't go into the toilet, but it hit the bathroom, and, and uh, he said, Come here! And I walk around there and he's not even mad. He's laughing. He's kind of like, I won't say nothing to you, mommy. Just just don't say nothing. Don't say nothing. But you can't be doing that stuff. And we we're going to walk you home. So we're walking home and we get in the house. And she sees a pint of liquor in his back pocket. And she says, Oh, you been out drinking? He said, No, I've been catching your son smoking motherfucking pot. <laughs> oh my God! <laughs> <laughs> That is great, man. Well, look, you got it a lot easier than I got, man. I got sent to one of those fucking places, you know? So. Fuck, I went to prison for selling a joint to an undercover cop. Oh, man. That's one gonna... joint, man. It was a, That's what was a trip. And that's when they brought it out for evidence, dude, I wanted that joint so bad. <laughs> You're like, that, was a, that was a good role. It's, ama- it a- it's, a, it's amazing, like, you know, I, I'm still old enough to remember what it's like to grow up in a in a in a in a country where you know smoking marijuana was just so bad, you know, I, I went through the Dare program in the fifth grade, and oh, I was there. Know, they, I had it, to take Dare. It, it's just, it's just, it's just amazing. It's they like didn't even ask me. <laughs> it's, it's just it's just it's taken it's taken america what a couple hundred years to catch up with the fact that there's nothing wrong with it no there's know? not and and the, like other states are doing the legalization thing <laughs> and whatnot but uh that's but it doesn't make for good songwriting yeah yeah i <laughs> right? mean it's just it's a part of the sex drugs and rock and roll you know it's, it's, there's drugs in there Man, i wake up in the middle of the night sometimes like two three in the morning Get up and I go out and sit down on the porch and smoke a bowl or smoke a joint. And I'll go back in and I'll go back to a song that I was working on. And for some reason, I don't know if it's the hour or the, the effect of the buzz because you just woke up, but I can do that song, Let It Rain, mm-hmm. is how that came about. 
that's backing vocals going, that was one at three o'clock in the morning, smoked a joint, and then get recorded minutes. <laughs> so it does make for great songwriting <laughs> and also great riffs. I mean, and what comes first for you in that process? Do you usually come up with the musical portion first, then the lyrics, or the lyrics first, then, or does it switch? Both at the same time, my head's like a radio man. I'll hear it play. I hear the entire song in my head. The guitars, the drums, the bass, the lead runs, everything, even the medley. I don't hear the vocals immediately, but I hear the medley. Right. And, I, and then I'll go back and think of a life experience and, and or a right current experience it. and let it just flow. So you can, you kind of like doo-dah to it a little bit like doo doo yeah. da and then you come up with the lyrics absolutely based and, on and when I'm out walking my dogs you know there's nobody but me and the dogs out there and I'm out there just went to California just to get a talk of the grass yeah the ground has started shaking and no one seen the mind but baby you know I feel flat on my ass it wasn't enough to put on my running shoes. Baby, I'm headed back home, right back to you. Something like that. That's great. That's so, great. So during that process of learning how to play music, did, how, did, did, you, did singing come naturally for you? Or did the, you have to learn how to sing? No. Hell no, man. I was in a band. I, I played bass. Both bands I played with to begin with, I played bass. Um, there was a front singer and front man. You know, we do the occasional backing harmonies. Well, one day they told me to stop singing the harmonies because I was singing them too good and it was overshadowing the singer. So I stopped. So you so had I, a natural ability. I guess. So I started playing, just playing. And then one day, the singer just decided he was going to quit because we had a radio interview and uh, everybody showed up. I'm sitting there on me, you know, the look thing. And the singer told us, nobody say nothing, I'll answer all the questions. So, you know, okay, cool. Then why are we here? He said, because it's going to take a group picture. I said, oh, okay. So I'm not saying anything. I just kick back. <laughs> She goes, and all of a sudden, she decides to question the members of the band. She goes through the guitar player, the keyboard player, the drummer, and then she gets to me. And and the husband said, well, what's your thoughts on Because I'm wearing all these crosses and demon stuff. I'm decked out, you know, 80s style. Right. 90s, early 90s. And um, chains on my boots, holes in my blue jeans. T-shirt with a big skeleton gig on it, you know. <laughs> you had to look. Hair, yeah. down, hair down to my ass, you know, and spiked on my hands and all that. And she, she said, well, what's your, what's your religious point of view? I said, I ain't really got one. I said, you know, God God understands me and I understand him and we're getting along pretty good so far. Next thing I know, the newspaper comes out. Everybody's got a little piece in it gets to me and it's huge all about what I said about religion and the most colorful and interesting member of the group by far of the night is Gary Ramsey 
said, said that, I saw that, I went, no. <laughs> <laughs> Time to find a new man. So, yeah. I didn't know if I was going to be fired or what, so I show up for band practice, and he's packing his stuff. He said, go ahead, shine, man. Think you're a badass. See how you do. He left. And they said, what do you want to do? I said, I want to drop all them pussy songs that he had on the list. I ain't singing that shit. He said, what are you going to sing? I said, Black Label Society. Some Godsmack. Some Sabbath. There's a creed in there. It's a hard creed. And then I said, and a shit ton of originals. And they like that, huh? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, we sure like your originals. I'm, I'm pretty sure there's a song out there somewhere in the airwaves that maybe some venues don't want you to play. Come on, Stumpy. <laughs> Is quite possibly the most requested song I have ever written that I cannot play anywhere. Honestly, the first time I heard it, I laughed until I cried. Um and I I loved it. So yeah, yeah. you and about fifty billion other people. Man, just, <laughs> I I wrote it as a joke. To be honest, I didn't know that it was gonna take the the um, stature that it did. <laughs> I mean, it's just a simple song. About yeah, there's it. not a lot to it. It is a pretty simple song, but boy, oh boy, does it have an impact. Oh yeah. I mean, it's got some surprises. <laughs> it does. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but, uh, you know, I don't want to ruin it for anybody, but if you want to see it, you can go to YouTube and Gary Ramsey come on Stumpy and see you William come on Stumpy. Yeah, that's that spelling of it. Well, we, we, you, we'll let you play it at the rooster. Yeah. You don't got to worry about that. Yeah, that's right. Uh, well, I, I plan on it. <laughs> <laughs> well, let me let me go. Let me backtrack for a minute. You talked about the interview you had, and and then you know the lead singer, you know, didn't get the effect he thought he would from the interview, and then just left the band, and that he he, uh, he he pulled full diva on us, man. I mean, it's like it was after he left we found out it was our. Let's see. RMS was the name of the band. Stood supposedly stood for Reproduced Maximum Sound. And then it turned out it was his initials. Ah. <laughs> well, and, that goes to the point that I'm about to make. I'm glad that you <laughs> threw that in there because there's no room for ego in art. Yeah. If you you know, in order to make, especially if you're in a band, if you're in a band where you've got you've got keys, you've got guitar, you've got drums, you've got vocals, you've got bass, it's almost like a marriage of sorts, or or a better reference might be a family. And it sounds like this lead singer that you had wasn't interested in being part of that family. No, he was the front man. He was. It was it was his thing that he needed to be recognized for some reason, and I didn't mind standing back in the shadows because I hadn't. It wasn't about that for me. Yeah, but um, it started pissing them off because of the way I played and performed. That See, people started. I don't get that at all, man. Gravitating toward me, you know. They thought, but when I once I started singing and I 
rearranged the song list and stuff and got us up to par with what it was. We were in stop. We changed the name to Vicious, and we began playing everywhere, man. And I still pursued a solo career, just me on acoustic, you know, just hanging out, playing. What are your favorite shows to play? Is it? I mean, I I don't know what it's like to play in front of an arena of ten to fifty thousand people. I I can only imagine that that's some overwhelming energy, but. And and you've been there. I'll tell you the one but that got also... me. I'll tell you the one that got me hooked to the crowd cheering. Seals Park in Gastonia. Yeah. Had a big field there, right? Yeah. Yeah. And they had a big show there one time, and, and I think they said there were over forty five hundred people there. Gosh. And we were the headliners, and that place was packed. And as soon as I finished singing. And it went silent for a second. I went, uh-oh. And all of a sudden, they blew up. The crowd went off. And I, and I, I told my wife, I was telling my wife about it today. I felt something go through me. Better than any drug you could ever do. They gave you back the energy you gave them. Big time. Yeah. I was wide open the rest of the night. Oh man, I think I would be too. I got it chills just yeah. now. Like that that's that's amazing. It was killer, man. That's the kind of energy and the uh you know, and the atmosphere that we want to provide at the rooster. You know, especially for for someone like you. That, I've, I've always been a battler for the damn for the local music scene and for those that are afraid to be heard and stuff because I have a way of comforting them and making them feel special and like they belong. And that's the thing that made the open mic night work so good. Yeah, you know, because well, you're 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 getting ahead of. I guess we should just go ahead and put it out there that Gary has graciously offered up his services to host our singer songwriter open mic once we get open. Of course, uh, Gary will be a part of the Rooster family. That's right. And he will be hosting our singer songwriters, and and I, I'm very proud to announce that here on on the show. And, and I'm very excited for that because in the short time that we've been getting to know each other. <laughs> Yay, me! Well, in the short time that we've been getting to know each other, you, I, I've, I've had the fortune of meeting a lot of people who are just as passionate as me about doing something great for this local music scene. And you're, you, are, you definitely, for lack of a better term, you take the cake. You are more enthusiastic than anybody else. And sometimes it's it's almost challenging to me to to match that energy. It's all about the music, man. Yeah, and and I can't I can't thank you enough. I mean, first of all, I need to shout out to Tucker Deese of the Porch Authority, who without I would never would have met this man, Gary. So Tucker, thank you for that. Thank you, Tucker. Yes, and 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 I'm just I'm looking forward to the to the amazing experiences that we will create together. Tucker's another good one, man. Tucker's Tucker's the real deal. That's why that's why he and I are friends. We 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 spot the real deal quickly. I'm an empath too, man. I can tell when somebody feels good or feels bad or if I'm somewhere I should be. Man, you guys made me feel really comfortable and at home, man. I appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. It's all about the energy, man. The energy you put out into the world is exactly the energy you're gonna get back. That's right. Now, yeah. I got like I said, I got a bunch of road stories. <laughs> 
Y'all eat well, let's hear some. Yeah. I, I did read somewhere about you spending some time in L.A. Let's talk about L.A. You're a Carolina boy. So let's talk about life on the on the left coast. Man, what a bunch of sensitive fuckers. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. You couldn't even compliment somebody's shirt without them going, what's wrong with it? Yeah. I like it. Well, I, I think that's part of that's just the world we live but in, you know? L.A. was a trip, man. I, I managed to live where I could, man. It was... It was crazy. It was wide open all the time. Now, give us a, a, a reference here of the time frame. When 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 were when was this that you were in L.A.? It was eighty seven. No, eighty five. Oh man, it's so mid eighties. Wow, mid eighties. They were they were as sensitive back then as they are now. I guess apparently can't worse, even dude, man. Worse. They were just now beginning plastic surgery and shit. Oh. Like, you didn't know. I, I lived in a land of plastic people, man. It was a trip. But I hobnobbed with the homeless and the rubbed elbows with the rich and famous at the, at the parties, man, because people liked me, man. I mean, I fitted in with everybody. Man. I'd just be walking down the street. I mean, I'm walking around, you know, because half the time I didn't have anywhere to sleep. You know, I'd sleep wherever I could. But, um, you know, hook up with a girl here and there and stuff. And hang out on the beach. Pass out to Beverly Hills houses, man. It was always a trip. You didn't really want nobody... I always made sure the doors were locked when I did that. I didn't know nobody sneaking nothing in on me. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> That's that southern boy in you. Yeah. yeah. And, well, you know, they called, they, they would trip out. they say, say something. <laughs> <laughs> I get that when I go up north. Something. Oh, yeah. <laughs> something. <laughs> oh, my Lord, he's precious. <laughs> Thank you, ma'am. He called me, ma'am. And, of course, the women loved me, and the dudes did not. Well, you're still in all the thunder with the southern charm, I reckon. Without even trying, what I'm talking about, man, I was leaving. I was trying to inch my way over to them goddamn steaks they was cooking, man. <laughs> I just finished the bowl of ramen, ramen noodle. I was saying, steaks. I was like, I don't give a damn if it is hot. It's going in my pocket. <laughs> but, uh, Nothing like a good pocket steak. Pocket steak. Yeah. Hashtag pocket steak. But you know, I met I met better people down in the LA River Basin man in, in the cardboard city. These people people today could take a lesson from those people. Oh, I'm sure. There were people from every race, every religion, every creed, sex, age, and they were all living together, helping each other. The house, the buildings, I mean, when I say cardboard city, it looked like a cardboard city as far as you could see, and nobody was fighting. That's how the world should be. And I, I saw that, and that, I read that, and it's on the CD too, that, uh, The Week. Eat the Week. It's about the cardboard city, and that's recent. Ron Sheehan actually did one of my songs last week that I wrote last Tuesday. I read it Tuesday morning. And I showed it to him, and he, he said, can I do that song? I said, man, I just wrote it. He said, I'll play it, I promise. I said, son of a bitch, if he didn't play it on Shannon Lee's open mic night, man, I was tripped out. <laughs> but I got people that cover my teams, 13's covering three, and um, damn, Abby K does my Dirty Love, damn, my sister Lisa does my song, She Ain't You, but she calls it He Ain't You. And, uh, 
it's just so many of them out there, man. It's just, it's, there ain't no better compliment as a songwriter to have people do your songs. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, and to see the credit, like like mentioned earlier, yeah. you know. Yeah, I, I've always enjoyed it when, well, for the most part, I've enjoyed it when, when bands cover other bands. For starters, if it's a band that you're into, it gives you just this small little snippet of, of who they are and what influenced them. Because, oh, you know, yeah. you're not covering a song. Uh, most genres, you're not covering a song if it doesn't mean something to you. Right. And then, you know, to hear a song interpreted in a different way that you didn't originally hear it is always kind of cool. Now, sometimes they fall flat and, right. you know, we all, you know, that's going to continue to happen no matter what. But it does have to feel like a great honor to have people want to play your music. Yeah. Well, it, here's, it's not everybody's cup of tea. Don't try to be. Be your own cup of tea. Let other people taste your taste and see if they like it. You got music in your head, you sing it out. You got music in your fingers, you play it out. Always make sure it's love for the music that brings it. Don't do it in hate. Don't do it to spite. Do it because you love to do it. You know, Gary, I think that's just the, the thing I needed to hear in order to, to put some music out. Because uh, for our listeners and for you, um, yeah, I'm a musician, but nobody knows because I don't put anything out. So thank you for saying for saying that. <laughs> you, you said know? don't put the hate in there. I, 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 I want to compound your statement using this this broad range of emotions and channeling them into something positive is turning hate into love. It's turning angst and anxiety into love. Right. You pulling all of those negative energies in your life and pouring them into what you do. That's, you know, that's why some songs come off angry. That's why some songs come off depressing and sad. And and I'll be the first to admit, I'll get into a hole mentally and what's the first thing i do i go pull out an album or a cd or i'll pull out my ipod and i'll play the saddest song on there because i'm feeling that emotion and i want to feel it as hard as i can feel it so i can move past it yeah and pulling those all of those energies and putting them into something like in any kind of art it could be music it could be anything but any kind putting that emotion into your art amen man that that is the truest form. You talk about you know, being you, true to yourself. We all know who the fakes are, and we all know who the real who who are doing it for real. And you know, it's just another layer of this onion that that we're doing with Peel the rooster. Now, peeling that onion. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. I cannot wait to get you on stage, man. I, it's gonna I am be great. So excited. How do you feel fun. about a, a music venue coming to guest on you? I love it, man. I've been waiting. I mean, wait, because I, I, the only place I went was Youngins before they closed. I mean, I, I would go to Freeman's for the open mic night, but I've been waiting on a good venue close by that everybody's welcome in. Right. And I'm looking forward to it, man. I am, because I will bring you guys some of the best acts you will ever see. I can't wait. Yeah. I'm super excited, man. That's, that is something to, <laughs> different to be styles, excited about. Different styles and genres. I have them from blues to metal. Yeah. We actually had our first metal band on um a couple months couple, ago. Yeah, a couple months ago. Yeah. Origin of Disease. They were yeah. from uh Wilson. Wilson, North Carolina. Cool. Yeah. 
Yeah, so that's really great that you can bring a diverse set there's of artists. So much, there's so much talent in our area alone. Man, it's it's uncanny. That's what I keep saying. I keep telling people there is so there is this ocean of talent in this region of the country that's not getting the platform they deserve. We want to give them that platform. Yeah. <laughs> My wife says there must be something in the water. <laughs> she's from Kansas. She's never seen this shit before. She kept telling me, like, Kansas was so bored, I couldn't wait to get away. So we go last year to visit her mom, and I'm walking there in Kansas. And, Are we in the same Kansas you grew up in? Because there was all kind of shit to do. I, did, I played it over Mike the first night we were there. You didn't think you were in Kansas anymore. <laughs> you know? It was killer, man. <laughs> That's great. We have to ask you this question because we ask it of everybody. But, I, I mean, I'm pretty sure I already know the answer, and I'm pretty sure our audience knows the answer. But in in, in the uh, era of con- consistency, define success for Gary Ramsey. Success? Yes. Man, I can honestly say I have already reached it. That's, what I, that's exactly what I thought he was going to say. Yeah. I have. I mean, I spent most of my life running. I was on one road over another, one town or another, sleeping in buses, sometimes sleeping in abandoned trailers. It took me forever, even against my will, to meet this woman. But I met this woman that settled me down, believed in me, and still believes in me. That's me be me. And still loves me at the same time. I have a roof over my head. The kids are healthy. The dogs are healthy. There's food in the pantry. There's food in the fridge. We still have our land. We're still free. We can do as we please. So, and people love my songs. After all these years, people still love my songs. Success? I think you just described it. Yeah. I don't think you can describe it anymore. Yeah. That's awesome. It is. Thank you so much for sharing yeah, with us. Yeah, for real. I'm a share. <laughs> sharing <laughs> is caring, you know? Bless your fart. Yeah. Yeah, then it's just stanky. <laughs> Depends on what you eat. That's very true. That's very true. But I mean, we but we digress. I, I thought about investing in flat you since. Okay. Oh my god! <laughs> All right, we're gonna wrap it up before this goes somewhere. You know else. what flat you since is? Oh yes. Yeah. I was mad that didn't come out. <laughs> that would have been awesome. I fart the bathtub, try to bite the bubbles. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> That's definitely staying in. Gary, uh yeah. tell 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 our folks where they can find you. I imagine it's on everything possible, but we just want to hear it from the horse's mouth. Okay, well, you can find me on Facebook, Ramsey Five Thousand. Reverbnation dot uh, com forward slash Gary Ramsey. Reverbnation for 
facebook.com forward slash the Ramsey Loikening Project. YouTube, you can find me at www.youtube.com forward slash Gary69 all day. <laughs> That's a wonderful link name. That is a wonderful link name oh right God. there. Man. Probably the best plug edition ever. ever. Yeah. No one beats that. I'm sorry, other artists, but that's the best link right there. That's me, baby. Gary Ramsey wins. And furthermore, you can find Gary Ramsey at the Rooster. Once we get open, he'll be there every other Wednesday, and I'm pretty sure you'll be hanging out more than just then, right? Oh, yes. So, Gary, is there anything you want to leave our listeners with uh, while we wrap it up? Listen, always, always believe in yourself. Never let anybody tell you you can't. Because if you believe you can't, you won't. And if you won't, nobody will ever hear you. Hey, you heard it from the man himself. Gary, thank you again for joining us on this edition of Rooster Radio. It's been a very special episode, um, and we definitely look forward to working with you in the future once we're open. Looking forward to it, man. Absolutely. Thanks a lot, man. Yep. Thank you. No, I can't. I can't.